right now, let's just stop. I don't pray for everybody, but pray. Um, I, I just feel like the Lord is saying, pray for the children right now that they would know the uh, resurrection story. Jesus, we just thank you and praise you. Father, bless the children right now in Jesus' name and cover them. And may a revelation of what this uh, time of the year and uh, people, the Easter and resurrection, we just ask you to give them a revelation in their hearts right now. Just do that, Father. We ask sovereignly that you would touch them, speak through the teachers, through uh, Kathy and Phyllis, but also and Olivia and all who are teaching right now. But dear Lord, we ask for that revelation in those kids' hearts. Thank you, Father, for these that have been mentioned. We pray for the Windsor family for continued comfort. Thank you, Lord, today. Salvation comes in the name of Jesus Christ. Nobody else. And Don accepted that. We thank you for resurrection power that we have every day to live the above, Lord, those circumstances. And even as we go through them, you'll give us a favor to go through them and raise and send you up in the name of Jesus. Thank you for bringing Jim through this situation. Thank you for healing Gov and Ed, dear God, in Jesus' name. We pray and thank you for healing Joshua. We thank you, Lord, for good news from Jackie and Brianna. Be with them. Cover them. Pray, Lord, that you would uh, touch Tracy as she wants to to truly have a child. But dear God, we know and put it in your hands. We pray for favor for Kendra and meeting all of her needs. We pray for Tony and Ray for healing. Thank you, Lord, today for little Remington and that Darcy is okay. And dear Lord, today bring that little girl up in the admonition of knowing Jesus. We pray, Lord, for the Bird family comfort and peace in their loss. Thank you today for testimonies about people being here and also for the testimony that Martha gave and being healed in Jesus' name. Thank you today. Your power is present. We just reach out, open our hearts to you and that you would speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27, we're going to talk about we're being prepared for eternity. What a wonderful day this is. All over the world, people are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But I believe we do that every week. We come in here and we look and ask God to give us a word. We want to encounter him. We want to be in his presence, his manifest presence in this place. And the Lord is here right now. I can tell he's here. And I know you can too. And God, in this stillness that we have, and as we set before you, just realizing your presence in a personal way. We serve the risen Savior, and we look forward to that day when we stand with him in a glorious heavenly home, which he has prepared for all who love and who who serve him. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Oh, Holy Spirit, work that in our hearts, that we will long for the appearing of the Lord. And just a, a earnest desire, a yearning, a desire looking for his return and that we would be ready. Because he's preparing the bride, amen? He's preparing us to, obviously, to meet with the bridegroom. His name is Jesus. He's preparing that bride. And you go, oh my gosh, I know all my flaws. I know all these things. And I know mine also. But I'm telling you, God has a way of coming into our lives and changing us. And he does that sometimes very quickly. Sometimes it's over time. But sometimes when he just moves in, he begins to change us. 
And he begins to remove those spots and the wrinkles and the blemishes there. And we know are there because he's saying he's looking for that bride without those things. And God will do that. You know, I love life and uh, I long for that day to be able to, when I see him there and all. And I also long to see the people that have gone before me, my mother and my father and other Christians. And, you know, I've always talked about this uh, Sunday school teacher that taught my, myself and a bunch of my friends we were, when we were in our teen years. And, um, you know, he was very faithful. He kept on. Let me tell you, with all due respect and all that, at that time to me, that stuff, that teaching was dry as a bone. I mean, it was, oh my goodness. I was like, I went, and my parents took me to church, and I learned. And that teacher, I can see him right now, and I'm sure he's gone home to be with the Lord, but he never gave up. He kept on teaching. He kept on imparting the Word of God. And that's the way we are in our Christian life. Even when things get dry, even when things seem to be not going your way, you don't give up, do you? You persevere. And that's what life is all about because something happens when you trudge through those types of challenges, whatever it may be. may have been learning in a Sunday school class. Maybe you're here today and maybe somehow, you know, some teacher was teaching you or maybe, you know, you've gotten a glimpse of God. You're just saying, Lord, I want to know you more fully. And see, God is just so willing to reveal himself in that way as we open our hearts. But I'll tell you, I look forward to that time. Death, I don't fear. I look for it with anticipation here. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not wanting to die, certainly, but I'm ready because I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I thought about here the events of the past, and sometimes my thoughts go back, and I remember when our grandson Rex was born. Now, if y'all believe it or not, he's almost two years old, okay? He'll be two years old in May, and time has flown, hasn't it? And it seems like we want to just say... Can we stop time for a little bit, just a little bit, you know, and it's moving along so fast and I'm getting older and older and I know how old I am and I know how old we're kind of expecting or maybe we may live, we could die at any moment, certainly. But I know that time is getting closer. And so I want to live for the Lord every moment. I want to give him my life because I want to tell you what he did for all of us at Calvary. All what he took up, and we know obviously the details, and we shared a little bit of it last week on the cross, and what he did and what he went through physically alone was unbelievable, but emotionally what he experienced when he knew that he was going to die for the sins of the world, and yet there would be people out there who would say, I don't want to even have any part of this. And I don't want Jesus in my life. I'm not going to bow my heart and my knee to the Lord. Because of my pride, I'm not going to surrender my life to Christ. And somehow I want to hold on because I think they're having more fun. Or maybe somehow you think, what does that mean when I give my heart and life to Jesus and so forth? There are many people that go through life like that. And you know, time is passing quickly. We don't have much time. It's time to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to live for you. I want my life to count for you. I will stand before you one day. And even with through salvation, and salvation does not determine this because it's only by grace through faith in knowing Jesus. Because we receive Jesus by grace, we can't earn it. We can't do anything to earn it. But we'll stand before him in the, certainly the, the judgment seat of Christ and we will give an account of what we've done. Everything. The Bible says every word you've spoken will come before the Lord at that time. I'm going, wow, I need to keep my mouth shut a little bit more. But you know, even the chief priests and Pharisees found it out. They, they uh, 
After they had crucified Jesus, they came to Pilate in Matthew 27 and said, Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days, I will rise again. And so give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, the disciples will come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. And this last deception will actually be worse than the first. Pilate said, take a guard. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went to make the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. You know, I don't know about if you see the humor in that or not, but here it was, the God of all creation, the one who flung and put all the stars and all the universes into place and everything, that here they were going to try to stop God from coming out of that grave. You know, it was kind of humorous, isn't it? The God of all power and the God who, who spoke and things came into existence. The one who breathed and gave us life and all. And yet they were saying, oh, we're going to stop God. You know, that's the way we are sometimes. <clears throat> we don't understand the magnitude, how awesome of a God that we serve. And how much he loves us. And how he gave himself for us. It's the only one. Obviously, Buddha. People believing in Buddha. You know, they uh, hope they can get there by some type of meditating and humming. And, and all, don't ever listen to that humming to those people that are Buddhists too. That's an eerie type of sound. I don't want him to go where in a place where humming's like that. Hmm, and it's humming like, like a bunch of bees and so forth. Well, the only Buddha, Buddha I've already told you that I've ever seen are in Chinese restaurants. That's the only Buddhas that I know of. And we know, obviously, it is not the works. And a lot of people, every religion besides Christianity is based upon works, how good you can be. You and I cannot be good enough. The blood of Jesus made us worthy, didn't it? So can you imagine God took the sun and flung it into place, being thwarted by a mere stone in front of it? The stone couldn't keep them. Death could not, could not keep them. And we saw up there as we were reading, death could not hold them down. So somebody, if you would, if you've turned to Matthew chapter 27, if you'll look at verse 62 through 66, if somebody would read that, and then if somebody would read chapter 28 of Matthew down to verse 7, please. We'll divide it in two. Anybody begin with verse 62 of Matthew 27, please. The next day, the one after the preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive that the deceiver said, after three days I will arrive again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Other, otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This is the last deception, will, worst, will, will be the worst than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb secure, and as you know how, so they, will, they went and they made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of, this, of the week, Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from the heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The, guard, the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as, just as he said. 
Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Amen. Amen. Can you imagine this? What a scene. God spoke the word and instantly an angel descends to earth. And the earth is shaken and the stones rolled away and the soldiers are paralyzed with fear. I'm going to go back just for a moment. If you remember in your kind of Bible study of what happened up to this point, I want to share with you something I think is so important in understanding about as far as Scripture is concerned. In Matthew 26, remember they were threatening Jesus and, oh, we're going to arrest you. We're going to put you under control and so forth. And remember that, what he said in Matthew 26? He says, if I wanted to right now, I could call down actually 12 legions of angels. Remember? Okay. 12 legions. All right. Now, it's believed that one legion of angels was actually a little over 6,000 angels. So 6,000 times 12 is what? 72,000. 72,000 angels. He could have beckoned to come down and rescue him. In Isaiah chapter 37, the Bible says that one angel destroyed over 185,000 men over in one night. One angel. Okay? And yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, he could have done a lot more than that. But it says one angel. If you take 12, 72,000 angels... Now, I don't want to get too heady with you here, but actually that the angel could have destroyed, I believe it is uh, 13 billion, 300 and some million people at that time, which would be twice the population of the earth at this time. He could have wiped the whole earth out coming down. All right. The power that is in our God when he spoke and everything came into existence. The stone was only rolled away so those coming could see in, not for Jesus to get out. He's no longer in there anyway. The grave could not hold him. Death could not hold him. And the point of what I'm saying here is Jesus Christ laid his life down voluntarily for you and for me. They didn't take his life. He said, I lay it down you know, voluntarily. You see, the chief priests and the Pharisees were trying to stop the inevitable. They were trying to seal up the Son of God. But there's no way in the world that they could succeed in doing that. And we smile at their futile efforts there. The power of God is so awesome. Isn't that, doesn't that just baffle your mind there? Now, let me share this with you. In Romans chapter, I mean, in John chapter 18, Verses 4 through 6. When they came up to him, and, um, and we'll share something I think is so, um, and I'm going to suggest something to you here in just a moment. That remember in the, the scriptures, it says that they said, well, who are you? And, and are you who they say you are? And he said, remember what he said? He said, I am he. Which means basically in the Greek, I am Remember in Exodus chapter 3, where remember Moses said, who, I'm going to lead these people out, but who do I tell is telling me to do this? And remember all God says was, I am. When Jesus said, I am, actually, 
he knocked the whole place flat. It says they fell to the ground. And if you look in the original language, it actually means that they hit the ground hard. You remember the stories on TV you've seen of Jesus' crucifixion? You know, there's a handful of people. Actually, it is believed, scholars believe, that the number of soldiers that came to capture Jesus and to arrest him and to take him eventually and convict him and send him to Calvary was between 300 and 600 soldiers. I'm sure they weren't wimps either. They were probably the best. So between three to 600 great men, stout and all, were knocked flat by Jesus saying, I am. That was that. Scripture, look it up. Now, again, pointing to the fact that Jesus laid his life down voluntarily. You also remember there that Malchus, he's not mentioned, I think just one time in scripture, was a servant to Caiaphas. You remember the story. Caiaphas was the high priest of the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin were like the Supreme Court today, like our Supreme Court. And the high priest was actually the head of it, his servant. Malchus, and remember Peter came up to him and, and during the time they were arresting Jesus and old big old burly Peter, he took that sword and he took and swung that sword and many believe that he was not aiming at Malchus's ear. He was aiming to cut Malchus's head off. But he missed and clipped his ear off. Remember what Jesus did? He reached down, picked the ear up and put it back on. In the midst of the people wanting to destroy and kill this Jesus, Jesus took time to heal and to restore, even in the midst of this. I'll go a little bit further in Mark chapter 14, and then I'll move on. This I will suggest to you, because I don't have any biblical, this may be extra biblical, so take it for what it's worth. You remember in Mark chapter 14, I believe around verse 51, there was a naked boy that came up on the crowd, remember? And he only had a, a linen cloth around him. Remember, that's the only time you hear about this. Who do you think that was, anybody? No, he was coming to where they were arresting Jesus. Who, who, who do you think that was that came up on the crowd of soldiers that were arresting Jesus? Have you ever been taught? about who that was. I was always taught that it was possibly Mark because it's in Mark, Mark 14. And Mark would have been about that age. I'll suggest this to you. I don't have evidence. I suggest that there are many scholars that believe that actually it was a boy that was resurrected from the grave when Jesus said, I am. And he came up on him. And remember, the soldiers tried to grab him. And when they grabbed him, they grabbed, grabbed his linen cloth and pulled it off. And he was naked and he ran away. And there are different reasons for that. When Jesus Christ, remember when he said it's finished, what happened? The graves opened. They burst. The power. Again, I'm emphasizing, Jesus laid his life down for you and for me. He could have any moment been tempted. He was tempted like we were, and yet he was without sin. 
But he could have been tempted to say, no, Father, send the 72,000 angels down and wipe this stiff-necked group out because they hated him. They didn't like anything he was doing, and yet he loved like nobody else ever loved before. And he healed people. They didn't understand that. They didn't until after Pentecost when the Spirit opened their eyes and their hearts and they realized he was a Messiah, a chosen one. And yet God could have called down. And you and I, you know what would have happened at that point? That would have been it. And you and I would have been dead in our sins and we would have been eventually thrown into the fiery lake of the lake of fire. We would have been doomed throughout eternity. But Jesus intervened and came into the world even though he had the power he voluntarily laid down his life, you see. We put God in a box so often. The older I get, the more I realize that all things are possible with God. And I believe God above everything else, above the things I've been taught sometimes, the things that maybe I even now that are my biases and my prejudices, I go to the word of God and I say, Lord, I believe you. So that's why today, when you call upon the name of the Lord, all things are possible. Because He is God Almighty. And He does marvelous things. He saved me out of my sins. He took sin upon Him that I didn't have to do it. Because I would, obviously, I would be going to hell when I took my last breath. But I have hope. Hope in knowing one day I will be with Him. And I'll be with him throughout all eternity. And if you're a believer today in Jesus Christ and you know Jesus in your heart, you too will go when you take your last breath. And I want to tell you today, there's more evil coming up. It seems to be rising up in the world today than I've seen people today that not give a second thought about who Jesus is. I'm talking about Jesus. It's so important. The resurrection proclaims the power of God. That message because God's march is on and his plans are there. The tomb is empty because Jesus Christ is alive. The stone has been rolled away. The stones of doubt and guilt and shame and unrepentant sin and addiction, all those things have been rolled away because the stone at Calvary was rolled away. And we have our victory in Jesus Christ. And I believe in the resurrection. I know the word of God is true. It is inerrant. It's infallible. It is the word of God. And every word in this written word is the revealed word of God Almighty. Amen. You see, we have hope because of the resurrection. He appeared over 500 people. And I believe, obviously... Because I believe that the word of God and I believe in miracles and I believe Jesus Christ is alive today and he's alive forevermore. You know, maybe more important than that, I believe it because the world is greatly different because Jesus is alive. Some of you who are on Facebook, have you noticed this past week what's coming up really often? A lot of what I've seen, I don't have Cindy, I'll look at it and, and Cindy shows it to me and and actually, it's talking about testimonies of people and what Jesus has done in their lives. His testimonies, they come up. Isn't that wonderful? I love that. 
Isn't it a wonderful way to witness to the Lord, you know? Take this social media that has its real issues and yet testifying about Jesus. As a side note, I want to suggest something to you. If you don't have something to say or witness about the Lord or something very constructive and positive to say, don't put it on Facebook. Because a lot of what I read on Facebook is junk and also a lot of trash. Don't put it on there because when you put it out there on social media, you've put it out there for the world to see. And it tells who you are. And if you're a Christian, don't put that junk on Facebook. Don't put it out there. If you're testifying to Jesus, then put it on there. And it's something positive that may catch somebody's attention and say, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Don't put it on there. I read stuff and I look and scratch my head and I say they never should have punched sin or whatever they punch for that to go across. Don't do it. Testify to Jesus. We're living in a time where we can't waste time. We're living in a time where it could be that this generation will see this Jesus come back again and the church will be raptured out. We're living in that time. Do you realize how brief time is? In the book of James, it says it's like a vapor or like a mist there. Make it constructive there. You know, did you see the cartoon of two Roman soldiers standing by the empty tomb? The stone was rolled away. One soldier was looking very worried because they had failed in their responsibility. But the other one shrugged and said, don't worry about it. And a hundred years from now, no one will remember but a hundred years went by and people still remember. In fact, over 2,000 years has gone by and people still remember. And another 2,000 years may go by if Jesus tarries. And we'll still remember and we'll still celebrate that he is risen. He's arisen from the grave. The resurrection changes the way you look at life and death. Jesus talked about death like a wedding. <clears throat> the bride waiting for the bridegroom. Sitting down at a banquet, banquet table with God Almighty. Death is like going home. Going home, a time of wonderful, a home going. Don went home, accepted Christ there at the end. He went home to be with the Lord. Anybody receives Christ in their lives, they truly are saved that they go home to be with the Lord. And I thought about it. The resurrection. And what a joy it is. What a wonderful blessing it is to stand before you this morning. <clears throat> but you know what I fear for those who don't know Jesus? And you know what? There are people today. <coughs> we were coming, excuse me, we were coming, Cindy said, it seemed like that somehow the, uh, the freeways are kind of empty today. Sometimes they are on Sunday. It seemed to be less traffic, obviously. And I'm going, well, maybe the people just stayed home today. You didn't stay home today, did you? You came, and we're so blessed to have you. But many people today who don't know Jesus, many people today believe in a false hope. They believe that somehow that maybe we just try to be a little bit better. <laughs> my wife will tell you, I can't get a little bit better, okay, on my own. It has to be the Lord. And it has to be grace there. And some may graduate and some may not. The empty tomb is the greatest source of joy for those who know Jesus, but it's also the greatest source of judgment and condemnation for those who don't know Jesus. God is preparing for us something much better when we go to live with him and be with him throughout eternity. A missionary in Brazil discovered a tribe of Indians in a remote part of the jungle. 
and they lived near a large river and the tribe was in need of medical attention. A contagious disease was ravaging the population and people were dying daily. A hospital was not too terribly far away across the river, but the Indians would not cross it because they believed it was inhabited by evil spirits. To enter the water would mean certain death, and the missionary explained how he had crossed the river and was unharmed. They were not impressed. He then took them to the bank and placed his hand in the water. They still wouldn't go in. He walked into the water up to his waist and splashed water on his face. It didn't matter. They were still afraid to enter the river. Finally, he dove into the river, swam beneath the surface until he emerged on the other side. He punched a triumphant fist into the air, and he had entered the water and escaped. It was then that the the Indians broke out into a cheer and followed him across. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us with death. He entered it, made it safely to the other side, and punched a triumphant fist into the air. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't stay on the other side of the bank. No, he jumps back in and swims back to our side. He's alive and present with us. And then when our turn comes to face death, he swims across to the other side with each and every believer. Amen and amen. He's conquered death. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. And 1 Corinthians 6 tells us by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he'll raise us also. There's power in the resurrection. Jesus is alive. He's alive right now with us, walking beside us. He didn't rise up from the dead and then take off to heaven, maybe to come back again someday. But he's alive and he's with us through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And because of that power, his power is available to us today. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that we know will raise us up according to what I just read. The power is here in our daily lives. He is here to enable us to have victory over sin. He is here to bring us hope and encouragement. He is here to shine through us to our world around us. He is here to enable us to worship and to celebrate that he is risen. And he's alive forevermore. He's here right now. He's in your life if you're a believer, if you know him. The question is, do you know him? The question would be, have you received him? I'm not talking about going to church. Church doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. I'm not talking about doing good things. Good things don't save you. Jesus saves you. Nothing wrong with doing good things, and we need to learn and be in church. Our fathers and our mothers, their history and their inheritance, they doesn't save us. Jesus saves us. We talked about last week, are you saved? And all that, that's real, like a real churchy type of song, saying, are you saved, brother? Are you saved, sister? And you go, oh, man, that's real churchy, isn't it, Jim? You talking church talk now. I'd expect you, Jim, to talk all church talk, but you're a preacher. Are you saved? That's the question. And then we said, saved from what? And actually, saved from the wrath of God. You see, until you're saved, you're an enemy to the Lord. You're actually under his wrath. If you've never received him into your life, and today may be the day that you need to receive him. Or today may be that you just said, I'd I'd love to just give my life to the Lord again. I feel like, you know, I worked for him, I've done these things, but I really want to dig in during these days of my life as time goes on. Can't stop time. 
But the question is, what are you going to do with time? Are you going to make it count for Jesus? Are you going to stand and say, I want to live for you. I want to be ready. I want to be prepared when that time comes. Because he could come back at any time. There's evil all around that's going on. But we are light and should be a light to that darkness that's out there. Light to our families that may be in darkness. Maybe some of them today needed to be in church and they weren't in church. Maybe today you've just been praying. I want to tell you today, be encouraged. God is faithful. Be encouraged if you're praying for somebody that needs salvation. God is faithful. But if you've never received Jesus today, maybe that Jesus is just knocking on your heart saying, give your heart to me. I want you to know that you know that you're saved. And when you take your last breath, you're going into eternity to be with Jesus forever and ever. The Bible says when we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. We go immediately into the presence of Jesus. And we're healed. And we'll be whole again. The power of God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead resides within us. The Holy Spirit of God. The power to be able to live things. I want to tell you today, I don't know about y'all, but the more and the older I get, the more aches and pains I get. Ibuprofen doesn't work quite like it used to. Shh. Well, look, give me some meloxicam or something else there, or whatever those words are. They ain't working no more. I leave. They're not working. But let me tell you, one day we won't have these aches and pains. We'll be in glory land. We'll be with Jesus, our risen King. That's what I look forward to. And these things will happen for those who long for His appearing. That's what I long for. I want to just ask God to bless you today. And thank you so much for your attentiveness and listening as we've had this service together. And I pray today would not just be the end when we leave here. But as you go with family or maybe friends or maybe you're just by yourself and it's been a lonely time. That you'll know the presence of the Lord in a special way. I want to pray that on you right now and bless you. Father, bless this congregation. And all who have come in this place today. That they would know and know that surety of knowing Christ. But also knowing that peace that passes all understanding. Bless them with power, wherever they may be. Let their light shine before all men, that obviously they may see their good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Bless them this place with the anointing of the Spirit of the Lord upon each person in this place. The anointing, O oh Lord, we need your anointing, that we'll be able to share our testimony. And no matter what's happened, but also most of all, because Christ forgave us, which is the greatest gift he could ever give. He forgave you and me. Let us remember we need to forgive those who have maybe spoken against us or maybe one way or another have come against us and been challenges to us. We need to forgive. And we need to obviously bless because that's what Jesus did. We didn't deserve it. They may not deserve it. But because of our relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we forgive them, don't we? We forgive them, Jesus, and ask God to touch them and bless them. Father, do that in Jesus' name. Thank you for those who've come. We celebrate Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.